Hello again and thanks for tuning in to On The Mic. I'm your host, Dani Osman, and my guest today is journalist and author Jerry Lim. He's co-written a new book called Scarlet Harlot, My Double Life, which is a first-hand account of the experiences of Ashley Chan, a young Singaporean escort who's using sex work to help put herself through university. We spoke about the book, as well as what he's learned from his many years of experience writing about the sex trade in both the US and Singapore. Here's the interview. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Good, Donnie. Yeah, um, so what have you been up to these days? Oh, well, I've been doing interviews for this book. <laughs> uh, this is the ninth, uh, ninth one coming up. The new papers, next one coming on the 10th okay. uh, on a Monday. Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a whole bunch of them. Okay, so um, yeah, let's just get started on the book, um, Scarlet Harlot, My Double Life. Um, could you tell us how it came about? Um, what's your contribution to writing it and what it's about? Well, I'm the ghostwriter for an mm-hmm. escort who is also a student. Mm-hmm. So it's about her double life, you know, working as a student and uh, and as an escort at the same time. Mm-hmm. And about all the issues. And what are the issues, some of the issues that you bring up? I mean, without giving away or any spoilers or anything. Uh, well, yeah, there are many of them, you know, like uh, not being exposed, not letting your identity get revealed, could you always be outed, um, making sure... Um, that uh, people are, are, are kept in secret of what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And, and how did your relationship with Ashley come about? Like, how did you meet her? And like, um, how do you get her to open up about the details about her work? Uh, well, I went to a party uh, hosted by a sex work rights group mm-hmm. and I met her there. And okay. uh, she was talking to me about her double life and, and I suggested that maybe we can get together and talk about it. Okay. And uh, with, with no uh, preconception or anything, you know, I, I, we just did it just to see whether it could work. Okay. And miraculous, miraculous, miraculously, it actually does. Okay. And you've written quite extensively about the sex industry. Did Ashley's story yes. stand out to you in any particular way? Um, well, it's different in the sense that I'm using a single escort as opposed to other books I've done, which were composites of escorts, uh, like Invisible Trade, for example, mm-hmm. Invisible Trade 1 and 2. Okay. Uh, and of course, I did books about porn stars. Mm-hmm. I did Searching for Chong, which is called Singapore Rebel here. Mm-hmm. Um, we Trust, which is about um, the porn industry in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolute Mayhem, which is about an Australian girl, uh, Monica Mayhem. Okay. But that was all... Uh, uh, individual uh, escorts, okay. and this one I'm doing an individual. I'm doing an individual porn stars, okay. and now I'm an individual escort. I, I guess what I'm trying to ask also is, um, what particularly drew you to her story that is worth telling? Like, I, I mean, again, without giving away spoilers, like, what do you think is the, what, what if there's a message that you something or something you hope readers will take away from the book? What do you think that would be? Well, I think primarily it was about her family background, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born out of wedlock. Her father decided not to finance her her education. Mm-hmm. So she decided to do it for herself. That was the primary thing. You know, what strike, struck me as kind of unusual. Okay. Um, and um, then the issues with her grandmother. She lives with her grandmother. Her grandfather died. Mm-hmm. But there's all signs of regrets about the fact that she didn't spend enough time with her grandfather. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, and everything sort of zoomed from there, you know, came on from there. And it's a, it was quite a fascinating story. 
And and in considering uh, in twenty twenty, do you think a story like hers is still going to be shocking and revelatory for a Singapore audience? Yeah. Well, I don't know what the Singapore audience really reads, <laughs> but yeah, I think by all accounts, it should be. You know, and I mm-hmm. and the uh, the feedback I've gotten from people so far is that it's very compelling. Okay. Yes, it was a very it was a very entertaining read, easy read, and entertaining read. I what did you think say. of it? I thought I thought um it was quite graphic in some points but also an mm-hmm. interesting insight into the mind of uh, like you said going just having her as the single subject of the book really helped draw the mm-hmm. story yeah. down to an individual's experience which is something unique because yeah. I've read collections of stories I've read you know mm-hmm. um you know fiction about like the sex trade and all this kind of stuff but I mean to boil it down to it does feel like it's a real person talking about it Mm, yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. How how much work was it uh, was put into like um, translating her experience and like her you ghostwriting for her? Well, initially, initially it wasn't a, a book. It was a bunch of blogs. Mm-hmm. I started in January 2017, mm-hmm. and we tried to do one blog a month okay. called Scarlet Harlot, mm-hmm. and uh, just to see if it would work. You know, okay. there, there, there was no money involved at all. Uh, and miraculously, it has. And um, a couple of years later, I thought of converting into a book. So I talked to Epigram, mm-hmm. my publisher, and I showed them blogs, and they agreed. So that's how it happened. Okay. And um, the blogs themselves, like how well received were they? Were they were the what was the audience for it like? Uh, well, the audience is, is American. You know, mm-hmm. it's on an American website. So I, I assume that there's been fairly well received. I haven't had any real feedback on that so far, except that uh, currently the blocks have been taken out mm. uh, of the site right? because right. Uh, all the, the columns have all been removed. So unfortunately, uh, we don't have access to that anymore. But that's another reason why I'm glad it was it would turn into a book because now we have something permanent, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, now just to move on a bit about, like you have had a very long history in journalism and you started out interviewing like music icons like David Bowie, Pete yeah. Townsend, and then you moved on to the, right. to the sex industry. I mean, I remember reading your stuff in Big O Magazine back in the day. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So how, how did that transition happen? Was there an overlap between like the rock star lifestyle and the sex trade? Oh, yeah, yeah, there is. But um, uh, the honest truth was that uh, porn came into my life by sheer accident. I was... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, asked by a director who I was working with to uh, do a work in the music section for her um, CD-ROM. They were doing CD-ROMs back then. Okay. And yeah. uh, so I did that, and then we had to uh, go promote it. Mm-hmm. And it was at the show in the porn section. So, okay. <laughs> so I ended up spending time with porn stars, okay. which I would never done before. You know? And okay. I found it really interesting. I found it really, really fascinating. I met Sunset Thomas. Mm-hmm. I met uh, a bunch of other people. That I thought were uh, in, in production, but okay. they had a lot of values that I identified with. So I yeah. thought, hey, you know, I should identify. I, I should. Uh, I should investigate this even further. You mm-hmm. know, and that's how it happened. And, and um, what are these values you talk about, and how different are they from your basic Singapore values? Well, uh, back then I was living in a, in the United States, mm-hmm. so I don't really have a basis for comparison to okay. Singapore. You know. Right. Okay. Um, but it was just universal things, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, uh, caring for other people and uh, uh, making sure everything is good, even though uh, there are bad elements. Okay. Um, and um, and making sure everything's copacetic, you know. 
And, and what, what do you think? Like, um, I mean, most Singaporeans would look at the porn industry as something really taboo and so on. I mean, what would you say to them to dispel those kind of myths? Like, uh, like uh, you've already said that, you know, it's about people caring for each other, looking out for each other. Anything else that like, you know, uh, you, that stood out to you? Well, first of all, uh, porn is banned here, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but of course you have access to websites. Mm -hmm. So it's still accessible, you know, in any shape or form. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they should, they should consider unbanning it, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I go as far as to say that because it's so ridiculous now that something like that should be banned. Yeah. So that, we have to start with that, you know? And the other values are, are things that we are, all have in common, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so for me to, to give these people a, a voice, Mm -hmm. to to champion what they what they believe in mm -hmm. it's a very natural thing to me i think and, and is there anything that you learned about um i don't know about society or human behavior from covering the sex trade and porn industry uh i don't know that we have time for this <laughs> <laughs> like okay maybe one of the two things like i mean like it's the subject of you've covered it for quite a while is the subject of sex like totally demystified for you for you by now like um does anything still surprise you Oh yeah, uh, constantly, you know. But um, uh, I think that basically anything that should be seen as taboo mm -hmm. should be seen again and re revisited in in the light that it's meant to be seen, you know. Mm -hmm. And and not say, oh my, that's terrible, that's filthy. I don't want to, I don't want to see it. I don't want to get involved in it, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, if religious, of course, then there's nothing I can say, you know. Okay. But but I mean, I, I think they should. Uh, anyone should look at it with a. With uh, you know, uh, you know, not rose-colored glasses. You know, mm -hmm. I was just having a, a an email conversation recently with a, a winemaker. Mm. Um, okay. you know, I read about wine as well. You okay. know, and I sent him my, you know, and he he said, "Wow, I'm sure that's going to be a bestseller." You know, okay. but he has no particular inclination towards the sex industry mm -hmm. or, uh, or in, in any shape, form, or guise. He just sees it as something that should be published, you know, mm -hmm. and, and all well and good. So good for him, you know, and I think more people should be like that. And from your experience, do you think people still, I mean, whether here or abroad, like, do you think people still moralize sex too much? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, for whatever religious reasons that they have. Um, and there's nothing I can say or do about it, you know, because you can't uh, registrate anything against religion. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of stopped there. And, and there's a kind of us versus them mm -hmm. element because, you know, uh, we just don't see eye to eye. And I accept that, you know, mm -hmm. but, but for those who don't, they should try and see the way I do. Okay. And conversely, do you think like the sex industry may cheapen sex or may lead to, you know, um, too much of the objectification of women and so on? Well, I mean, there's, there's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. um, I think you cannot help, you know, the, your, your regular pervert from, from, <laughs> from, from seeing what he wants to see, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but there are people like us who, who don't see it that way mm -hmm. and who accept people as people, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's how uh, I, I see it. Mm -hmm. And there's also going to be this us versus them thing, you know, and this, it can't be helped. Mm. And um, from your experience, I mean, Ashley mentions this in the book too, like um, she had a bit of a broken family situation that kind of mm -hmm. led her to the sex trade. Uh, do, do you find that people in the sex industry often share similar kinds of backgrounds? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 50-50. It's some people do, some people don't. It don't mm -hmm. People get into the industry for different reasons. Mm -hmm. A lot of them motivated by money they have debts they have children mm -hmm. so it's like almost any other job except that what you do with sex you know right so it's just part of part and parcel of what you do 
And um, from what you know, the, the different aspects of the trade, let's say pawn versus escorting and so on, attract different kinds of personality types. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think they do. Uh, okay. For porn, for for example, uh, visibility is everything. You know, you have mm-hmm. to be seen. Mm-hmm. Whereas with escorting, you don't. Everything's done secretively. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that's a, a big difference. But when I was interviewing porn stars, one of the biggest surprises I had mm-hmm. was that I asked them to do an interview, and they said, "Oh yeah, sure, let's do it now." Okay. I'm like, now, <laughs> you know, well, I was, before that I was talking to, uh, I was, I was dealing with, uh, with record companies okay. to do music artists. And, uh-huh. um, you know, you got to go to lawyers and managers yeah. and a whole row of stuff before you even get a, a date, you know? Right, right. So, so different Whereas with the porn industry, boom, you, you, you want an industry, you okay. get it now like that. But there have been a few exceptions where some people said, yes, they did. And then they turned, they turned me down, but very, very few and far and far between, you know. So um, it, it was quite a, a, a an enlightening thing to me to have that happen, mm-hmm. and and very and very good too, I must say, you know. Uh, although after I got over the initial shock, <laughs> I, I thought, okay, all right, let's do this, you know. What What was the most shocking thing for you? What was the most shocking aspect of it? Getting into like interviewing porn stars and so on. Uh, nothing shocking, I would say. Okay. Uh, the girls are different. All the guys are different. All the uh, the directors are different. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what I, how I can answer that. Well, more broadly speaking, then, um, do you think people in the porn industry tend to be more open? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I was writing for Penthouse at the time, mm-hmm. and when you were the title at Penthouse, you um you get automatic access. You know, okay. Uh, I I can honestly say I, ne- I never got my calls not returned. Whereas in mm-hmm. the music industry, you constantly got that. You know, right, right. Um. Well, it was it was a big uh yeah big uh relief for me to mm-hmm. to experience that um and uh and I think it's maybe tempered my view of, of of the world you know that I've been um been more open to people as a result you know of of the willingness to accept me okay well that's interesting that it's affected your worldview as it has it has anything else like changed since uh, you got into covering the industry have you have you seen things anything from a different way since you started writing about it um, well, I think that some of the girls in the industry uh, are a bit jaded mm-hmm. and uh, I guess you have to be, you know, after a certain while, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you live with it, with the jadedness, you know, uh, and it's part of what I do to sort of help give them a voice by ex- explaining why they're so jaded, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and I did that with this book. And in terms of like, um, porn versus escorting, um, is 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 it harder to for a person to leave one behind than the other? I imagine porn, especially in the internet age, how do you ever leave it behind? Because everything that goes online kind of stays there forever, right? Yeah, but I, I would say that it, it, uh, one thing that strikes me is that um, a lot of porn stars do escorting, mm, you know. Okay. But very few escorts do porn, you know, okay. because of the visibility element, you know. Okay. So there is a difference there, you know. And for those working in porn today, um, is there any way for them to exit the industry without leaving behind a record of their work? Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, with porn, it's much harder, of course, yeah. you know, because uh, when you get into porn, you're getting in for life, you know. You, there's, no, there's no getting out of it, you know. Uh, you you get into a civilian job and somebody's going to find out. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many cases of, of people who've, who've left the porn industry mm-hmm. and gone to uh, a, a job 
and the bosses find out and mm-hmm. they get fired, you know? Right. Um, that happens quite a lot, actually. Is, is there any... Uh, with porn, it's different, you know? With yeah. porn, you can keep yourself secret, secretive. Yeah, you mean with escorting, is that right? Yeah, with escorting, sorry. And I mean, is there, is there any... Are there any movements? It sounds like... Um, if it's tough in civilian life, is there any way to protect uh, people in that industry, former porn stars who are wanting to re-enter civilian life? Is any effort being made in that? No, industry? no, no. I, I would say no. I okay. would say that un- unequivocally no. You have to, you have to just live with it because if people find out, they find out. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And some say the sex trade is one of the industries where the gender pay gap actually kind of goes in the opposite direction, where the women get paid more well, than yes. the men, right? And in light of this, like, I mean, in light of this and the calls for gender equality right now and the Me Too movement, where uh-huh. do you think the industry stands? And is it at a changing, is that at a point where it's going to be changing a lot? Well, at this point, who can say, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially with COVID? So I don't know, you know, I, I know that the, the porn industry has been going through quite a downshift in mm-hmm. recent years. Okay. A lot of companies that used to exist don't exist anymore. Okay. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the internet, of course, you know. That the internet has, in fact, done has significantly changed it. So um, <clears throat> yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. <clears throat> and I don't think, uh, and I don't think that's really going to change. Is is the middleman being cut out now that a lot of um, like sex workers can go online independently, right? Yes, correct, correct. Uh, in fact, a lot of uh, girls don't even use agents anymore. Mm. You know, in escorting, you can go directly to them. You can book them online as well. Okay, and um, you just to touch on the pandemic, which you mentioned earlier, how how has it affected the sex industry, whether in the states or if or locally as well? Well, I I, I don't know about the states right now because I've been uh, out of that scene for a while. Mm-hmm. But but locally, I would say yes. You know, a lot of the escorts right now, uh, the incomes have, have shrunk. You know, down mm-hmm. to like sixty percent. Okay. Know? And and no escort would work maybe ten hours a week. Uh, now they're working maybe four, four or five. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. So everything is really falling. So what do you do? Certainly with Ashley, she relies on her, her normal uh, regulars to, to tide her over, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but she's got school, so that, that's that's a good thing. Right. But, okay. um, but otherwise, yeah, you have to you have to rely on your regulars to see yourself through. And that's the, the significant change that's happened this year. And for the sex workers working in Singapore, are, there, are these regulars um, at the escort level do they tend to be foreigners and or Singaporeans? Is that also why the incomes are being affected? Oh, no, it's, it's both. It's both. It's but both. this year in particular, people can't travel. Yeah. So right. that's one of the big, big uh, hurdles okay. that they, they can't seem to overcome because you can't travel, so they can't come here, you know? Mm-hmm. So therefore, the drop in clientele is quite huge. Okay. And like from your move from the States back here, uh, how did you find your inroad into exploring the underground sex trade in Singapore? How, how do you get started on that? Uh, well, it started with a phone call. Actually, I okay. was um, I was uh, I was about to do my first book on on escorting, which was Invisible Trade, mm-hmm. and uh, the publisher had told me he had found someone who was willing to do a book about it, but he, he bailed out. Mm-hmm. So he said he was looking for someone to do it, and would I be interested? You know. Mm-hmm. And I said at the time, I said no, no. I mean, there's already a book out at the time called No Money, No Honey. Mm-hmm. So. Why would I want to reinvent the wheel? Right. You know, but I said, well, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. You mm-hmm. know, so I went back and I thought about it and I thought, you know, if I can make a few phone calls and get hold of 
escorts as opposed mm-hmm. to your middle of the road sex worker, you know, mm-hmm. who work in massage parlors and stuff like that. If I can get a hold of escorts, when nobody uh, outside uh, the, 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 uh, the regular, as mm-hmm. it were, would know about it, um, you, would you be interested in, in, in exploring that? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, I would be, you know, but how are you going to get them? And I said, well, let me make some phone calls. Okay. <laughs> so, so I made some phone calls and I, I managed to attract um, attract some agencies who were willing to talk to me. Okay. And through the agency, I got their girls, you know, okay. so I got their girls. Mm-hmm. And that's how it happened. And um, in your experience so far, like um, how big is the scale of the industry here, the escorting industry? Because, I mean, there's very little information on out there about the scale of Singapore's sex industry. Yeah, and I think there's also going to be a little information from from here on because no one's going to talk any real numbers mm-hmm. or give any real figures, you know. So um, uh, I I don't know to be honest with you right now. Okay. Everything's kind of a blur. You, know? okay. you you have to to talk to people who who are, who know okay. to actually tell you. Even they even then they're not sure, you know. Mm. So it's it's a gray area. So everyone's kind of operating in their own little silos. Without there being a uh, yeah, like, okay. kind of, kind of, sort of, yeah, you can say that. Okay, and I mean, but like, was there anything that surprised you when you started investigating this um, this trade in Singapore? No, I think pretty much it's been what I expected. You know that that these girls work secretively, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't they know that uh, other people who aren't sex workers themselves know what they do, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, they. Uh, have found ways to get around the laws and around, you know, lack of police enforcement and, uh, uh, um, and uh, not being outed and stuff like that. So they all, they've all found different ways of doing it. And when it comes to the sex workers that you've met here, I mean, a lot of people are concerned that um, with stuff like sugar dating, all this kind of stuff, more, more younger women mm-hmm. are entering the industry. Is that, yes. is that true from your, what you see? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sugar sugar dating seems to be quite big right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to understand it's a difference between an escort and a, and a sugar baby, you know? Yes, I think Ashley wrote uh, about that as well, right? Yeah, because sugar babies only work part of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you cannot really uh, make a, a, a really a strong... A, 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 you cannot get a strong sense of, of, of income... Uh, a proper sense of income because you know sh- uh, sh- sugar daddies come and go you know mm-hmm. so you don't have any any real regulars you know so it's it's really a part time thing they do for fun a lot of these girls are attracted by uh, the the need to get presents and and luxury mm, goods right, and stuff right. like that that's what they do it for you know uh, a real escort doesn't really need those things when it comes to sex work um, there's the view on one hand that it should be a legitimate way to make a living. On the other hand, there's mm-hmm. also the worry that the sex trade may affect relationships, break up families, and so on. You know the the, the moral, the social moral aspects of it. Um, <laughs> yes, is there a way to? I do know. Yeah, is there a way to navigate? Do you think there's a way to navigate this some sort of mirror, middle ground where both can coexist? Do you think Singapore has done that by keeping like the sex industry here an open secret? You know what I mean? Uh, no, it'll always be an open secret. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's really going to change. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can do anything about people being harmed uh, in the process hmm. because that's part and parcel of it. You know, you, you, have, you have to look for look out for yourself. And what do you think of the work being done by some NGOs to try and combat the stigma attached to being a sex worker in Singapore? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm all for it. I think that's for sure. Yes, 
for sure. I don't know how they're going to do it, though. You know, because it's quite an uphill task. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's that? Do you think the internet has had an impact on the sex trade here? Yes, of course, of course. Uh, especially with, with girls, you have to stay in touch with social media. Mm-hmm. You have to constantly source for things to keep up with uh, with the industry and what's going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure, definitely. You you're on Facebook and and on Instagram. So yeah, definitely for sure. You have to you have to do that. That's a given, you know. Just to move on, um, I'm curious about some of the more interesting people you've interviewed over the years within the industry. Okay. I mean, one example is well, you did a whole book on Annabelle Chong. Um. I mean, for mm-hmm. me as a growing up in Singapore, like when news of her came out about um, the record that she set in the porn industry, uh, she seemed yes. like such a mythic figure, especially in a time that was before the internet. Well, uh, I, th- I think she is. She is. But, but you know, one thing that has occurred to me is that Singapore is, is it, it, if, if not for, the, for, for, for news going out in the world because of that event, mm-hmm. uh, most people here would know, you know, because porn is not available here. Right, yes. So... How do they get news of that? You know, that's the thing that has constantly uh, bothered me uh, over the years. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how old are you? Can I ask? I'm going to be forty in January. Okay, so for at, at your age, did you know that that had happened to her? I mean, it was January 1995 when the gangbang happened. You know? Yeah. Um, I, how old were you? Then? <laughs> 95. I was 14. Yes. Okay, exactly. Yeah. So, how did you find out? Um, probably through something like the new paper. Um, I read. Mm. I remember reading about the sex trade in Big O that you wrote about. You know what I mean? These are the oh, kind. I these, see. Okay. these are the, these are the kind of little articles that always like they seem uh, to carry a lot more weight because there was no internet to flood me with information. Yes. So every little Correct. thing I read would be like you fill in your 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 mind just fills in the caps and you're like, wow, this seems like such a big deal. You know what I mean? And I'm just wondering, wondering, like, um, you've written a whole book, you're good friends with Annabelle Chung, like, what do you think of her cultural impact on Singapore? Oh, I I think it's it's quite huge, you know, but because back at the time, you have to remember, Singapore was all about getting to number one, no matter Mm. what you do, you know? And so her her, her way of doing it was to do a a major Mm gangbang, so so that it would be number one, you know, at the time, you know? Uh, that was kind of her her, her silly joke, you know, okay. um, and 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 in in a, in a way it worked, you know, but for for not really the reason that she wanted, you know, because people mm-hmm. start trying to break the number and go to even a thousand mm-hmm. uh, people as opposed to five hundred or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so it it was more about the number than anything else, <clears throat> so it didn't quite <clears throat> achieve the effect that she wanted. I think I remember reading in interviews she's saying that. Um... The number is just a number. It's more of her own, like, kind of personal yes. achievement, and also partly a per- achievement as someone coming from a conservative society, right? Yes, yes, yes. But I think the people who read that have to understand where she's coming from. Not everybody gets that, you know. Mm, right. Uh, do you? Do yeah, you, re- you do. Do you, do you read the recent Vice article, like where they caught up with her and she's a software engineer now? Yes, yes, I read yeah. that. Uh, AJ McDowell interviewed me actually. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. She, yeah, she interviewed me. I think interviewed me. Uh, for, for, for an article about escorting. Okay. Would she be, so, so I know, yeah. would she be one of the more uh, successful examples of someone who's transitioned out of porn? Uh, who? Uh, Annabelle. Oh, Annabelle. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. You know, she's now working in software. She's just a software pro- a programmer. Mm-hmm. And she's happy doing that. So, you know, and her joke is that, you know, I, I finally found something that, you know, lets me use my brain, you know? <laughs> so. Okay. So, 
So that's very clever, very smart of her, and she does, she done it well now. Yeah. So good for her, you know. Uh, is is that is that a myth also about sex workers that you've met that um people think they're all just dumb sex objects? No, no, no. You've been there have been people who've done really well in the sex industry, um, but also there are people who haven't. You know, who've fallen out of, of, of the loop. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something for everyone. You know, I don't think it's a, a cut and dried mm-hmm. kind of a, an issue. So it's different to people like Nina Hartley, for example, who's who at the time I interviewed her was uh, in her 17th year, and now she's in her 25th year or something. Mm-hmm. So, so she's been doing it forever, you know. So there are girls like that who who continue to do it because they're they're very proud of what they do. So mm-hmm. good for them, you know. But the other girls too have fallen by the wayside and gone out of the industry after three to five years, which is the norm, by the way. Most people will stay in the industry about three to five years, okay, and then they fall out. Okay. So, um, that's that's unfortunate, you know. How about in the escort business in Singapore? How long do you think? How long have the women you've met like um, lasted in the industry? And oh, like- well, you know, it, it, it takes all kinds. Uh, the women I I know who have been in the industry for like ten years, you know, mm, okay, and I, I'm still doing it, you know. Um, for for Ashley, I think that you know uh, she's going on to five years now, and mm-hmm. maybe in a few years she'll probably quit, you know. Okay. Um, but she's trying to transition her way out of that right now through school. And for the escorts in Singapore you've met, um, do most of them have exit plans for how to leave the industry? Well, uh, ideally, they should have an exit plan. Some mm-hmm. girls don't, okay. and they keep doing it. You know? But for her, I think she has an exit plan, and she's going to have to stick with it mm-hmm. uh, until she leaves, you know, which is, I don't know when, but uh, eventually. Uh, and that's the game. You know? That's the game you have to play. And, and you have to realize that sex work is just a small part of your life. And going back to um, the more well-known people in the industry that you've met, um, do any of their stories stand out to you as um, exemplifying what it's like to be in the industry? Uh, Well, Asia Carrera Mm. uh, was quite famous in her time uh, and and did quite well until recently, as you know, there's some uh, brushes with the law, Mm. but she's, she's back now. Uh, and uh, she's only in her, in her late 40s, you know, so I think she probably has a way to go, but she's got mm-hmm. three kids, so you, you have to walk, look out for that. So, um, yeah, there have been a few. There have been a few here and okay. there. Uh, any, any ones you can share, uh, share about and, like, um, I mean, what they, how, how their life and career exemplified what being in the industry might be like? Uh, no, I think every girl has a different story. I mean, there's Sasha mm-hmm. Gray, for example, who, who retired from the industry and, and, and has been a, become an author mm-hmm. now uh, and does DJing. Um, uh, uh, people like that, you know, they, they find their own way somehow. Uh, and, and good for them, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. happy, you know. So, no, I, I, I can't really say for sure. Everyone's different. Okay, and just to ask, uh, bring it back to Singapore, um, from what you've seen as a journalist, do you think there could be public policy kind of changes that could maybe better protect Singapore sex workers since it's such a grey area industry right now? Yeah, it's a very grey area. I, I, I don't know that they can be. I think that uh, uh, basically all women should mm-hmm. be protected, you know, uh, and not just sex workers. But but sex work has a, a different thing going mm-hmm. for it, you know, and because of, of, uh, of police protection. And, and you know, it's quite common, as you know, that there are people in the police force 
who who use sex workers for their mm-hmm. own ends, you know, and and they they can't they have no avail they have no no ability to mm-hmm. to overcome that. So that's unfortunate. But yeah, some something should be done about it. But I don't know if anything will be done. You know. What what are the gaps that you see right now that could be that need to be addressed? I mean, like um, have the escorts told you themselves like what they feel the biggest um threats to them are? Well, uh, yeah, they have. Uh, you know, having a, a guy, for example, say, you know, I, I'm going to hit you and I'm going to rape you, and you can't, you can't report that mm-hmm. to the police. You know, stuff like that. And and you know, the, the automatic recourse is to just leave them and say, and, and see you later. I won't see you again. You know, um, and that's happened to, to to every one of the girls. I think to, at some point. So you have to know the best thing you can do to 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 avoid people like that. Um, and and actually, that has happened to her too. And, and what would you think about uh, legal, like legalizing um, sex work in Singapore? Would there be a would there be a step forward? Yes, of course. But but I think it's it's weird because uh, sex work is legal in Singapore. It's the pimping is mm. illegal, you know. And that's how they that's how they control it basically, and they keep Orchard Towers mm-hmm. open, for example. And until recently, Geylang mm-hmm. was open, you know. So um, it's it's just a way of of uh, um, of protecting. Uh, uh, keeping things mm-hmm. in their place, as it were, you know, so that he, they can control it, you know, um, and that's how it is. And in Singapore, like uh, you see, the Geylang brothels closed, and who knows how long they'll be closed for? Um, Orchard Towers closed as well. Yeah, I know. I feel very sad for that because I don't know what the, I have no idea what those girls must be doing yes. at this point. And it's been a, 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 almost a whole year now. And how would you feel if these places went away for good because of the pandemic? Or do you think uh, the businesses would just move to a, another location? No, I don't think it will ever go away. It, it, it will only be driven underground. I don't think they'll ever, ever go away. You know, this, you know um, the sex industry is the oldest industry, and it, it will always remain so. Um, it, just that I think that with, with Geylang being closed, uh, you have to find your own mm-hmm. way around it, you know? And that's by either hiring escorts or by going to Ultra Towers or whatever, you know? Uh, you find other ways around it. So it'll never go away. My concern is that the grey area being even greyer now, it's bad for the women. It's worse for the women, actually. Because you're, you're operating under, uh, mm. you're even going even more underground. Yeah, in, in a way that the pandemic has mm-hmm. kind of done that, you know. Uh, and it's nothing of anyone's fault. It's just, it's just, it's the way it mm-hmm. is, you know. Um, uh, I, I don't see any way out of it unless we, we move out of this pandemic mm-hmm. at some point and get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so un- until that happens, uh, nothing's going to change, you know? So yeah, unfortunately. If there's anything you could tell the general listener, um, that could maybe, how do you say, shift their perspective a bit on sex work or the sex industry, what, what would that be? Well, well, that's a big question. Um, well, read, read my book <laughs> and, and try to try to get some glimpse of 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 of, of the ways of, and why fours of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the girls, certain, certainly you have to say that you know they have to have a, a square head in their shoulders and have an exit plan, and don't just do it because you know a luxury will will make you happy. Mm-hmm. It'll make you happy only for a while, you mm-hmm. know. But after after a certain point, you have to realize that you know it's going to get old, and you have to leave. You know, so um, yeah, it's, it's just a, a temporary pleasure for 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 good fun. You know, but uh, if you're a girl, you have to at some point figure out what your exit plan is. You know, uh, 
And and for the guys who are, who are reading my book, I would say that, you know, uh, I hope that it would encourage them to have uh, a, 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 an even greater a sense of, of, of how these girls can, in fact, have a voice uh, through people like me, for example, who mm-hmm. tell the stories and uh, re- relate them in an, an honest and straightforward way so they can really see for themselves. Do you do you hope the do you think the book will have an impact on men reading it and maybe they will treat the sex workers they might visit better? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's up to them. I, I don't know. I can't really say. Yeah. But uh, yes, I hope so. Of course, you know, hope they can understand that and 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 see that. Oh, you know, maybe what I've been doing is wrong, or uh, I should start rethinking this and and think about doing it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's up to them. Of course, you know, it's up to them to to read it and see what they think. And I hope that. For, for the most part, it will. Okay. And uh, okay. So before we go, um, would you like to tell listeners where they can get your book and anything else that might be coming up soon from you? Uh, well, uh, my book's available in all bookstores, mm-hmm. uh, particularly at the uh, Hugs Epigram bookstore and at Kinokuniya and all the other major bookstores in Singapore. Uh, it's also available to ebook and Amazon. Okay. Um, and uh, as far as what I'm working on, well, I have a, a, another project already, which I'm working on, but I can't really tell you because that would give it away. And, <laughs> and, uh, and also, I, I, I don't have an actual publisher yet, okay. so until, until it's done. Well, so I would keep that uh, a secret from you. We'll, we'll, Sorry. We'll keep, that a fu- <laughs> we'll keep that for a future episode. Yeah, yes. Thank okay. you, indeed. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot for being on the show, Jerry. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. I much appreciate it. Very good. So that's it for this week's episode of On The Mic. The show is brought to you by Yahoo Singapore and you can find us on Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We've got more great content coming your way really soon, so do stay tuned. Until next time, I'm Danny Osman and I hope everyone has a great weekend. <laughs>